Reading to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 401, and today we are talking about books being released on February 14th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Vanessa, it's Valentine's Day! It is! I kind of forgot. Yes! (laughs) Yeah, it's Valentine's Day, and there's also, there's other shows that are landing on holidays this year. Uh, there's one on Halloween, so there's lots of scary books coming out that day, because it's Halloween. And also my birthday. That's a, that's a national holiday, I'm pretty sure. A national holiday, for sure. Absolutely. In July, yeah. So, it's going to be lots of holiday episodes. Um, but it is <laughs> Valentine's Day, but enough about that. So, what do we have to talk about? I feel like... Sometimes I feel like we just recorded, and sometimes I feel like I haven't talked to you in months and months and months. Yep. So, um, real quickly, we're just going to touch on this because I know you're a Lakers fan. Oh. Like, did you watch LeBron James break the record? I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, the, my whole sports life is, like, not great in general over the past year, so this was a thing that I was like, okay, cool. I get to, like, have a nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, LeBron. Yeah. I also watched. Like, I'm not, I'm not a LeBron fan, you know. I'm a Celtics fan because I grew up on this coast. And mm-hmm. so, of course, there's always that imagined rivalry between the Lakers and the Celtics, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> but you do have one of my favorite players, Dennis Schroeder, on the Lakers. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and it, it was like a piece of history. Like, I felt like I it should is. watch this, you know. And, and I mean, my goodness, they were selling courtside seats for like $75,000. Oh, 70, I looked him yeah. up just and for, you day, know. I don't believe the organization. I believe those are like yeah. scalpers. Or, yeah, resell. You know, yeah. It, it's just, just ridiculous. Imagine if you paid that much money for a ticket and then he didn't manage he to didn't. break the record that night. Like, <laughs> so like, so like what? Well, a few minutes into the game, he got slapped in the face really hard, like right across the eyes and fell to the floor. And I was like, oh, uh, that's going to be it for this if? game. And people are going to, to freak out because they spent all this money. Um, but he did it. It was very interesting. That's one of the things I love about watching basketball. Like, I watch all kinds of games. Is that you're constantly seeing history being made. All the time. That, of course, is, like, epic history. You know, he broke, like, the record of most points of all time, right? But, like, you see, like, not just franchise records, but, like, NBA records. Like, broken Mm -hmm. all the time. Like, the other night I was watching the Nets because I like the Nets now because they got rid of a bunch of people. And, you know, Cam Thomas, like, was the first kid to... To get three, you know, games in a row with 40 yep, plus points. 40 plus it's points, just yeah. It's like, and I was like, how is that possible in the history of basketball that's been on forever? Anyway, I'm talking about basketball too long. But, you know, it's it's one of the things like basketball and birds and books. Only and things with bees. That's all you're allowed to it, like. And cats, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> there's, no, there's no bee in cats. Um, but I do like bats. Uh, so, yeah, just things with bees. And I'm excited to talk about books today. I don't know if we have anything else. Let's see. What else do I have to tell you? I think that's about it. Yeah, I think we rounded it out. Yeah. We are going to talk about books coming out today. I don't think we have any romance romances today, even though it's Valentine's (gasps) Day. I'm very sorry. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And I normally always have a romance and I somehow manage to not. I didn't even, I'm telling you, the way I, I I like... You know, whatever. <laughs> you're reading for a show. You're doing your thing. I accidentally actually read one of my March releases for this show. And it wasn't until Liberty kindly tapped me on the shoulder to be like, hey, can you drop like the books that you're reading into like the shared agenda that I put them in there? I'm like, let me just check the dates. And I was like, oh, wait. So that one would have fallen under a romance, but it's actually coming out in March. So, oh, well, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, 
They're they're still getting moved all the time. We just don't we just don't For mention sure. it very often because everyone yeah. knows. Like the dates yep. are still shifting. I want to say not as much as they had been the last couple of years. I it feel like doesn't it slowed feel down like a it. bit, but still But it still happens. Still, you know, still happens, yeah. So, and, and I've reached that point where I'm like, wait, this is out in paperback. But I haven't oh even read the hardcover yet. <laughs> like, I forgot that this came out. Like, yeah, I was doing that when I was going through the paperbacks this morning. I was like, wait, what? But no. So. <laughs> Liberty is describing what most readers go through, like, in regular life. It's just Liberty reads so oh, much because she tends to catch things. <laughs> but no, same, same boat. I get it. Yeah. So we're going to get down to talking about those. But first, we are going to hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. All right. And before I tell you about my first pick, I want to remind you that we are hiring a full stack web developer here at Book Riot. We are accepting resumes through February 28th. So you can find out about the position and check it out at riotnewmedia.com slash careers. So go and visit that. If that's something that you're excited about. Uh, and now it's time for books. Um, not only <laughs> not only do I not have romance novels today, but my first couple picks are so dark. So That's how we dark. do around here. This is this is on breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> my first pick is On the Savage Side by Tiffany McDaniel. Her name might sound familiar because she is the author of The Summer That Melted Everything, which I think I talked about on the show when it came out. I loved, 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 loved. And also Betty, which I 
think I talked about on the show, which I loved, 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 loved. And on the Savage side, like those other two books, it is beautiful and so brutal. Um, And like Betty, this one is inspired by real events. This one was inspired by the Chillicothe Six. Six women in Ohio who went missing and four were later found murdered and two still haven't been found. The book is narrated by Arcade. She is one of two sisters, the twin sisters, Arcade and Daffodil. And their lives are intertwined with the murders of several women. And it sort of follows them when they are young and then again in their 20s. Arcade is called Arc for short because her name is Arcade, but also then because they call her archaeologist because she loves to dig. She digs holes all over the yard and is always looking for things and finding things. And, you know, as you get into the book, you'll find out that she's looking for something that belonged to her mom. They're very unusual uh, little kids. They each have one blue eye and one green eye. And there's like a cute little thing that their mother does with them where she's like, where's my my blue eyed girl? And they each close their green eye. And then she's like, where's my my green eyed girl? They each close their blue eye. But they live in poverty in a small town in Ohio. And their mother and their father and their aunt are all addicts. And when the book starts, we know that their father has died of an overdose. Um, I'm going to mention some more like really upsetting things so just be prepared as I mentioned at the beginning this is this is a really brutal book and it's really hard to read sometimes but it's worth it it's just remarkable um so they live with their mother and aunt now uh, who are sex workers and when they are at home they are pretty much dead to the world because they're they're nodding off uh and so the the girls kind of raise themselves And they look for, like, happiness and joy in this really horrific situation. And they find some of that with the help of their mama, Milkweed, who is their mother and aunt's mother. And she teaches them to crochet. And she tells them stories. She tells them the story of the beautiful side and the savage side. And unfortunately, mama Milkweed is killed in an accident when they are nine. And now they have no one to keep the wolves at bay and horrible things happen to them. They become the victims of sexual abuse. They're still living with addicts. Uh, And as they try to take care of each other, they themselves become addicts when they are older. When they are older, they have a close-knit group of friends. They all hang out and there's a sunken car in the riverbank that they like to sit in and they daydream, daydreaming and talking about what they would like the world to be like, or what they imagine it could be like, is something that they do throughout the book. They tell these beautiful, heartbreaking tales of of what they would like. Um, And they sit there and do that day after day until one day Ark finds a body floating in the river. And after that, more women are murdered. And now Ark is trying to figure out how they survive in an environment that doesn't care at all about women in their predicaments. The cops are not trying too hard to find the killer because they don't have any respect or care for the victims. And it's just so utterly devastating, the story, but it's so beautiful. It has this dreamy quality. And I fully admit that a couple of times I wasn't sure like what something meant and was like, is this what is happening now? Um, but, you know, it all it all works itself out and you figure it out. You know, it's very, it's very dreamlike, not just like in the girls' conversations, but in the writing. And also the river 
is a narrator in this book. Um, we hear from the river, and it's just such a remarkable point of view because the river has watched all these people grow up and is so sad when when they make their way into the river, you know, when they die. It was just a point of view that I had never thought about before, and, and it's, it's just incredible. It's really a scathing indictment of a society that turns its back on the vulnerable and the poor and on society's macabre interest in dead women. But the story also has so much love. The sisters have so much love for each other, for their family, for their friends. So I, I cannot recommend it enough. But like I said, you might have to set it down a couple of times because it, it is brutally blunt. You know, many, many of the things, including the assaults, including um, the accident that takes uh, Mama Milkweed, um, they're just like very plainly written with all the facts. And so it can be very hard. And, and uh, you know, just pretty much all the content warnings for this book, including child endangerment, harm and sexual assault, uh, graphic depictions of drug use and the physical effects of long term drug use, overdose, sexual, sexual assault and murder of women, loss of a loved one, grief and just many more things. It's hard, but it's worth it. It's called On the Savage Side, and it's by Tiffany McDaniel. We definitely did kick off the Valentine's Day with darkness, but that sounds like a phenomenal read. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what else I wanted to say. I wanted to say one more thing. I can, I, I can neither confirm nor deny this, but I saw someone on Instagram say that On the Savage Side is like demon copperhead in hard content to read so if that's something that you've read or a book that you loved then you definitely probably want this one too i still have to read barbara kingslover i haven't read it yet but someday i'll read her anyway okay that's all excellent okay great so let me tell us about my first pick so the first one is gone like yesterday by janelle williams which i super enjoyed i just finished it uh, last night actually <laughs> So the main character, one of the main characters is Zara. She is a college prep coach who is just sort of existing. Like life isn't bad, but it isn't really great either. She lives in New York. She helps high school kids, often the children of very affluent white parents with their college entrance essays and, you know, other college prep and then works part time at a restaurant to make ends meet. And she feels kind of, you know, a way about like what she does in the sense that the she doesn't really buy in all the way anyway into the myth of higher education the way a lot of her like clients do that you know have to go to an ivy league for example but then like she went to stanford so again she just sort of feels kind of eh, about the types of people that she's helping and like if she the fact that she's maybe not doing more to help like her community people then when the book opens she's actually in the middle of an uber ride going to like a hookup's house <laughs> and the uber driver engages in small talk which she doesn't really feel like engaging in but she kind of just does you know to get the, the ride and the discomfort over with and so this man who's driving her named trey ends up asking her you know what she does for a living and that's when she tells him that she he, sorry he tells her that he has a niece who needs help with college prep because Zara just mentioned that that's what she does for a living. And so she's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And that would have normally been the end of that, except that in the middle of this drive, she sees this cluster of moths, who that like gypsy moth, like the bug, who are singing this song to her. And this is not at all abnormal for her. This is a thing that just happens. So takes this as a sign, which I'll get into in a little bit here, but she basically offers to take on Trey's niece, Sammy, for free to like help her, you know, with with the prep because she pretty much you know gets the impression pretty right away that they likely could not afford like her normal fee and 
So again, she decides to go work with Sammy. So Sammy, our other main character, is a high schooler, a teen. She is a budding activist who's getting ready to apply for colleges, hasn't really decided which one yet. She, again, knows that she's interested in activism. She orchestrated a sit-in at her school. She's been really involved in some other works of, of activism that give her like some indication of what she might want to do, but she isn't super sure. She lives with her uncle and aunt because her parents are not around. Her parents are alive, but they are in Trinidad, back where like she was, I believe, born. And there's an interesting dynamic there. She really loves her uncle, but of course is having some issues about you know, wanting to connect with her mother and feeling like her mother isn't around. It's, it's a complicated story. So the uncle's just trying to, you know, do what's best for her. But she is not particularly into this idea of working with Zara. She rebuffs her kind of from the get go. It's like, you know, she thinks she has it all figured out. Like, why do I need your help to help me with this essay? Like, I'm good. But Zara agreed to help. So they still end up, you know, meeting up. And she's like, okay, if you basically uses like some reverse psychology on her to get her to share her work and her progress. And so she, that and it works. They slowly kind of build up a rapport and a bond. And that is how Zara picks up on the fact that Sammy might be a moth person, as she <laughs> refers to them, uh, too. Her brother, Derek, also has seen the moths as a thing that they've seen for most of their lives. The moths sing songs. It's basically like the ancestors communicating through these moths. So this is, you know, if you haven't picked up on it all, like a bit of magical realism. So she's kind of getting the sense that this is maybe a thing that uh, Sammy sees as well. And then Zara gets a call that shakes her, and that is that her brother, Derek, is missing. And he's always been a little bit different. Again, he sees the moths too, but kind of even more so than Zara has been really sensitive and in tune with the spiritual world, like that ancestor plane. So he's shown signs of pulling away for a while, but this time he is like gone, gone. His keys in his car are left behind, like no sign of him. No one knows where he is. So, you know, no one knows where he's gone. And Zara panics, fearing that this time she's lost her brother for good and decides she needs to go find him. And that's how she, Sammy, and Trey, who offers to drive her, end up going on a road trip from New York to Atlanta, uh, Zara's hometown, to try to find Derek. And they're in through the process of searching or looking for answers, not just about, you know, where Derek might be, but also about the ancestors and like what we owe them and what what they want from Zara and Derek and possibly Sammy and that's where I will let you discover the rest of the story. The story has actually a, a romance element to it. So here's our, our little bit of romance for today's episode. Um, but it really is about family legacy, again, what we owe to the people who came before us and like what our responsibility is there to sort of listen to those messages. It's about identity, especially racial identity. Uh, just a really touching story. And the the, the magical realism is, is woven in there in ways that are sometimes actually quite funny because they communicate through song. And some of the song choices are just really um, funny and a little bit like uh, snarky. <laughs> um, and other times really just moving and touching. It was just such a pleasant book to spend time with and, and to sit there and like ponder again, like that idea of like legacy and, and what we do owe to, to the people who made us and came before us. Audiobook, I'm here to, you know, resident audio person, <laughs> read by Bonnie Turpin, one of the greats, and just does such a phenomenal job with each and every single one of these characters, just so good at creating that, like, distinct identity for each one. Uh, so, again, that is Gone Like Yesterday by Janelle Williams. Okay. My next pick, also dark. Not as dark as the first book I mentioned, but still dark. Yay! It is The Last Tale of the Flower Bride by Roshani Chakshi. Chakshi is the author of the middle grade series that I know I have mentioned a million times, the Arusha series, which just came to an end. She has another middle grade series coming in September, starting with The Spirit Glass. 
She's the author of the YA fantasy series, which I know I've mentioned a million times, the Gilded Wolves series. I just love her so much. And when I found out that she was going to have her first fantasy book for adults, I squealed out loud, uh, which you're going, yeah, you do that all the time. I know, I know. But I was just like really excited about this. And it was completely worth it because this is, oh, I, I, it's one of those books that I can't tell you too much about because it would it would just ruin the whole book. But it is a dark gothic fairy tale. Some of those words might be redundant. It's based loosely on the story of Bluebeard. If you do not know the story of Bluebeard, Bluebeard was this fellow who had a big house and he got married and he says to his wife, you know, you could do whatever you want, just don't look at that room. So of course she wants to look in that room and she, you know, she does and things don't go well for her uh, and it happens repeatedly. There was a movie from 1972 with Richard Burton and Raquel Welch of the story of Bluebeard and somehow I saw it very young and it terrified me. Like that is not a movie for children, but so you know this the story. Like don't look in the room, they do. It's bad. So this story is about a character named the Bridegroom who is chasing something supernatural that happened when he was a child. He needs some information because he wants to prove that what happened was real, that it wasn't his imagination. And he meets a remarkably rich and beautiful heiress named Indigo because she supposedly has a book that will have some answers to the supernatural thing that he's chasing. Um, But they meet and are basically like hooking up not long after that. They can't get enough of each other, or at least he can't get enough of her for sure. And they get married. And the only thing that Indigo asks of the bridegroom is that he not ask any questions about her past. Like, like she's his, she'll love him forever, she'll do whatever he wants, but like, don't ask about my past. But eventually, uh, she has a relative who gets sick and they move back to Indigo's family home. And while he's there, the bridegroom is like, kind of curious about you know, where my wife is from and, like, what she was up to before I met her. And he gets very snoopy. And his snooping is going to have grave repercussions. It's a very atmospheric tale. Like, so, so atmospheric. It's a sort of, I would say, demented love story of sorts with some not healthy relationships. It's a dark fairy tale which we know if you've read, like, the original fairy tales, not, like, the Disney-fied versions, but, like, the original fairy tales, those never go well for adults or children. They're often very dark, and as is this story. Chokshi is so great with descriptions. You just kind of have to give yourself over to the story and just follow along. Like I said, this is her first adult novel, and it feels like she decided to just lean into that because this also gets all the content warnings, including child sexual assault, the emotional, physical, and sexual abuse of adults, and death of an animal. There's uh, toxic friendships, gaslighting. Um, Just know that going in, there's a lot of heavy stuff in this book, too. Uh, it is The Last Tale of the Flower Bride by Roshani Chokshi. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. 
So this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in the spirit world. It follows Anzu, who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. And ever since her Abachan died, Oban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi, and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, um, I'm super excited for this. So make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness by Mai K. Nguyen. And thanks again to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international best-selling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tommen series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsey Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tommen series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon worthy TikTok books, and angsty tearjerkers. Taming Seven is published today and it's the fifth book in the series. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so my second pick is one that I am so jazzed about. And if you're new here, then I will explain. And if you're not, you will get why in just a few seconds. Um, the second pick is Stone Blind by Natalie Haynes. So again, if you're new here, I will read just about anything with a mythological bent. And this is absolutely one of those things. Natalie Haynes is the author of several different books. But the most recent one I read and loved from her is A Thousand Ships, which was this retelling of the like conflict of the you know Trojan War, but told from the perspective of all the women in the book, like all the women from the goddesses to the mortals, like on all sides of the, you know, conflict, to put that very lightly. This book is called well, first of all, I would like to give a trigger warning at the top here because um, I am going to be discussing sexual assault, which is unfortunately a part of a lot of mythology. And not there's not a lot of detail in the book. The words are just said that the thing happens and it moves on, so the descriptions are not graphic. But this book is essentially a reimagining of the mythology of around Medusa. And there are a couple of different versions of Medusa's stories out there. So not everyone agrees with like this particular account, which always makes me laugh when people say that because these are all made up stories anyway. <laughs> but there is a version of this myth wherein the reason of how Medusa came to be the what we know of, you know, with the head of snakes and who can turn folk people to, to stone with one look is because she was punished by Athena for the crime of being raped by Poseidon because it happened in Athena's temple. So again, the way a lot of history has worked is that women pay the price for like terrible men's decisions. And that is essentially how that version of that mythology goes down is because Athena is so upset that her, you know, temple has been violated in this way. She takes her wrath out on Medusa. 
this story really leans into that version of the narrative and gives us sort of a 360 degree account from the perspective of all again, many gods, many goddesses, demigods, all the mortals, you know, involved. And it goes kind of straight to the beginning from when Medusa was born, how she came to live among the Gorgons. The thing I love the most about this book is that the gods are depicted as just so petty and petulant and annoying, and rightfully so for the way that a lot of them have acted, especially, you know, like Athena and Zeus. Um, It's a very feminist retelling. It's really tender in the story that you get to know about Medusa from her, again, being raised by the Gorgons, Uriali and uh, Theno, I think is the second one's name, and causes you to examine, and that is obviously, I think, the point that Natalie was going for, like, what it is that makes someone a monster? Like, what is monstrosity? And like, is that what, you know, that perception, like, who creates it? Who gets to dictate that? Similarly, what is beauty? And who gets to decide on what the standard of beauty is? Uh, Natalie Haynes, I didn't realize until recently, in addition to being a classics nerd uh, who has, I think, a podcast about defending the classics, but she's also a comedian. And so she chose to narrate this book, which I, it's more common to see authors narrate their nonfiction works, but it's not as common, at least in my experience, for them to read their fiction. And I get why, because she had a very specific delivery in mind, especially in the way that she voices these really petty, petulant gods. The voice that she gives to Hera and to Zeus and uh, to just everybody, it was perfect. Like I, I totally get why you would want to read that yourself because no one else maybe has the idea of like how you want to communicate those things. So again, just a really great story about you know who gets blamed, who gets to write history, about how we just sort of accept narratives for one perspective if that you know because history is told that way and don't necessarily interrogate it until someone asks us to. It was both, you know, funny and just a really, really great story. I, I loved. There was a piece of it that I like was confused about, and I don't want to say it because it's a, I guess, a spoiler if you consider anything in mythology a spoiler. But that you just have to keep going with it, keep going because the again the chapters alternate and who tells them. And when that last piece clicked, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And it was just even more rich and awesome than I was expecting. So yeah, I really had fun with this one. It actually came out last week, but I knew I needed to talk about it because I love Natalie Haynes so much. And that again is Stoneblind. By Natalie Haynes. All right. So those are some books that we have read and we love. Now we're going to talk about a few more of today's releases that we are excited about, but haven't necessarily read. I'm going to kick it off with The Sun Walks Down by Fiona McFarlane. McFarlane is the author of The Night Guest, which came out many years ago. It was a novel I loved about a woman, an older woman who is living alone, and she thinks that there's a tiger in her house. Um, So her son gets her a nurse and weird things happen. She also had a book of short stories that I loved. It's really funny because when I found out that this was coming out, I was like, oh, I love her. I've read all her stuff. And then I looked and I was like, all two books. For some reason, I thought she had so much more. But I'm really excited about this one. This one is about a young boy who is lost in Australia in 1883. A six-year-old boy wanders off in a dust storm. And now the whole town is looking for him, and it's an examination of the interactions and relationships of the people who are searching for him, you know, how they get along, what might be going on, Uh, and apparently it has many, many narrators, who I'm assuming are the people who are searching for this, this lost child. So I can't wait to pick this one up. It is The Sun Walks Down by Fiona McFarlane. I have that one on my list as well. Yay. Okay, so the first one that I am excited to read that I just got my hands on recently is My Flawless Life by Yvonne Woon. 
This is sort of an academia thriller. It is comped as being for fans of Allegedly and We Were Liars. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm interested. Takes place at a private school. So Hana Yang Lerner goes to like the most elite private school in DC. And whenever anyone has a problem that they need fixed, and by fix, I mean, go away, (laughs) they hire Hana. She's a fixer. She's like, the, as soon as I read the description, I was like, oh, she's like the Olivia Pope of, you know, academia. And it even takes place in DC. So it sort of works. Like she makes the calls, does the things, buries the secrets. Um, but the one thing she kind of can't fix is her own life, which was destroyed when her dad, who's a senator, was arrested for an accident that left a woman, I think, either dead or, or nearly dead. So her reputation is ruined, her friends are gone, but then she gets hired for this job by an anonymous client that just calls um, themselves Three, or himself Three, and the job is to follow her former best friend. And she kind of realizes this may be her only way to getting back to the life she used to know. But of course, you know, when you go looking for secrets, oftentimes other secrets come up, and in this case, it's a very dark truth about her supposedly flawless classmates. So yeah, I'm all kinds of interested in this and, and can't wait to read it. So again, that is My Flawless Life by Yvonne Woon. All right. And my other pick for today is Black Wolf by Kathleen Kent. I'm a big fan of Kent's earlier series, which started with The Dime. I can no longer remember like what I talked about on the show, but I think I talked about that one. That one is a super intense action mystery about a Texas police officer. Um, They were going to make it into a show. I don't know if they still are, but that one has like a banana pants ending, like beat the reaper kind of banana pants ending. And I just, I loved it so much. This one is about an undercover CIA agent, CIA, CIA agent, um, undercover CIA agent. There we go. uh, Working in Russia in the early nineties. She has a special skill. She never forgets a face and she's there to make sure that nuclear weapons are not changing hands or being sold anywhere. Um, And while she's working this assignment, some women go missing and she believes that a serial killer is responsible, but the Russian police don't believe murders happen. They're like, nope, that's a that's a problem in America. Nothing is going on here. So she's going to have to try and solve it herself. Um, I'm looking forward to reading this one. Uh, it sounds a lot like Red Widow by Alma Katsu, which has a sequel coming out very soon called Red London. Also, if this subject matter interests you, I highly recommend... Man, this Valentine's Day episode is really dark. I highly, <laughs> I highly recommend going back and finding the HBO film Citizen X with Stephen Rhea. It's incredible. It's the true story of this police officer in Russia in the time when so many citizens were being murdered uh, and the Russian government refused to admit that there was a, a serial killer working in their in their country. Um, they said that the, no murders don't happen. This isn't a thing. And because of their dismissal of this police officer's concerns, uh, Andre Chikatilo killed almost 100 people before he was caught. Uh, and it's just so intense. I, I've watched it several times. I don't know what that says about me, but the performances are incredible. Anyway, I'm talking more about that movie now than the than the book, but the book with this <laughs> undercover CIA agent, I said it right this time, there's a lot of ahs going on there, um, is Black Wolf by Kathleen Kent. I am absolutely adopting CIA agent. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Is that what, 
Is that what the A stands for? I realize I don't even know what it is. Is that like redundant? Did I just say like ATM? A central intelligence agency. Yeah, so it's kind so of? like it's funny to be that I'm an agent of this. Yeah, central intelligence agency so agent. So I'm going with CI agent. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not quite ATM machine, but it's close. No. It's close. <laughs> Sorry, that gave me uh, a lot of joy. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, my next pick is one that I am, again, I've said this so many times. When do I not say this? But I'm so excited to read it because I uh, was excited to read the book that Lauren Blackwood wrote before this. So anyway, this one is Wild Blood by Lauren Blackwood. And she is the author of Behind These Wicked Walls, which I was so enjoying. And I read like half of it and put it down for like work-related reasons. And as often happens, it was just like really hard to find time to go back to it. But it was, it is a kind of Ethiopian-inspired remix retelling-ish of Jane Eyre. So I cannot, I need to go back and read that one because I love Jane Eyre. But this is, uh, again, Wild Blood. It's a fantasy. The main character is uh, Victoria. She's 18 years old and she is a wild blood. She was kidnapped when she was really young, I think like five or six, and kind of conscripted and like manipulated into working for something called the Exotic Lands Touring Company, which is a tour group, obviously. She works as a tour guide with a team of wild bloods. And wild bloods means that you have like blood magic, blood, there's something in your blood chemistry that allows her and all wild bloods to protect travelers. Uh, in this case, while well, they're in the Jamaican jungle, which is just full of. Uh, I think ghostly monsters is how they're described. But she gets pretty upset when she is supposed to have gotten a promotion. She earned it, but then it goes to someone else. And that someone else happens to be like her super backstabby ex who is white passing. And so, and light skinned and like, she is not. So like, you know, it's, there's a lot of complicated dynamics going on there as to why he probably should have been the one to get promoted. But her magic is the most powerful one on the team. And this all kind of comes to a head because a renowned gold miner comes into town who is really determined to reach this like untouched gold supply in the jungle. And so from there on out, it just sounds like a fantasy adventure. And I want all of that <laughs> so much. <laughs> it's something very much like what I'm in the mood for these days. Um, there is, I think, uh, no, I don't know if there's a love story in this one. I was really trying to make that work, but I just think today's episode is uh, Dark Hearts. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> so anyway, that's Wild Blood by Lauren Blackwood. Okay. So those are books that we are excited to read. And now I'm going to tell you about a few paperback releases. Starting with a few that are in hardcover coming out in paperback today, uh, which includes Heartbreak, A Personal and Scientific Journey by Florence Williams. Florence Williams is the author of Breasts and the Nature Fix, which we talk about all the time. Breasts is like required reading for everybody, men and women. It's just remarkable, all the information that you learn. And The Nature Fix is a beautiful, beautiful book about, you guessed it, nature. I guess I, guess I don't really need to sell that one because it because it sells itself. But this one is the true story. Florence Williams went through a bad breakup, and so she decided to look into the science of heartbreak, like in how breakups can physically affect the body. Also out today is Moon Witch, Spider King by Marlon James, which is the sequel to Black Leopard, Red Wolf. This is the second book in the Dark Star trilogy. These are uh, set in an imaginary African fantasy land. Um, they are so good, but extremely dense. Like, like you have to really commit to these, I feel like. like there's, there's some serious reading, but they win awards and they get all the stars and the reviews and, and they're just so good. 
Um, another one today is this, this one is a book riot favorite and kind of, I feel like flew under the radar, which now I'm thinking is funny because it has birds in the title. It is When We Were Birds by Ayana Lloyd Bonwo. This is a story set in Trinidad. It's a love story. Yay, it's Valentine's Day, a love story. Uh, between a young woman who f- helps souls find peace and a young man who works in the cemetery. The Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth. This is one of the biggest books of last year. Um, has like so many reviews and it's one of the, was one of the biggest thrillers. I think might have been a Goodreads nomination for mystery thriller about a heart surgeon and his wife and the woman he wants to marry and his daughters. Some not good things are going to go on there, I think. Um, Empire of the Scalpel, the history of surgery by Ira Rutko. Let me sing you the song of my life. I have this, but I haven't read it. Um, but I'm so into medical history books. I love, I love like deep dives into specific things. So I'm really looking forward to reading this. Cast the Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. Yes, it's coming out in paperback. Yes, it came out three years ago. It seems impossible that it's not in paperback yet, but today is that day. It was an Oprah pick. It was nominated for a bunch of awards. Uh, it is the, about the hierarchy in American society that exists even when people say it doesn't. Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop by Danielle Smith. She interweaves her life story with the story of black women in American pop. And this reminds me, I was thinking about the LeBron James thing because uh, Magic Johnson was tweeting the other day, what a shame it was that Beyonce apparently won some Grammys last weekend and now is the record holder for the, the largest number of Grammys ever won. And... I only find out because I saw Magic Johnson's tweets. Like, nobody's talking about this. It's It just amazed me. I was like, wow, what an incredible achievement. You know, yeah. LeBron James, like, they stopped the basketball game. They had this big celebration. Like, and, and like, nobody's talking about it. So um, I think I'm going to pick up this book and find out more about this history. Another book that I feel like no one knew about, myself included. Well, I mean, I knew about it, but I didn't get to it, is Osmo Unknown. And The Eight Penny Woods by Catherine M. Valente. I feel like this one came and went really fast. It's a middle grade book. Um, and Cat Valente fans missed it. Like, if you blinked, it was it was gone. Um, it's about a young boy who visits the land of the dead to help his town. And it sounds really fun. And I have it, but I haven't read it. Um, but if you love Cat Valente, who's done space opera and the girl who circumnavigated fairyland and, like, so prolific. Like, this is out today in paperback. Miss Aldridge Regrets by Louise Hare. This is another Book Riot favorite. It's a mystery about an actress in England who is given a chance to appear on Broadway. So she's booked a passage on a big cruise ship, but some murders start to happen while she's on the cruise liner and doesn't know if she's going to make it to the States. World Running Down by Al Hess. This is a paperback original out today about a transgender salvager who is trying to survive in a dystopian America. Take the Lead, a dance-off novel by Alexis Daria. A straight-up romance! It's about a reality dance show and the two leads uh, who are paired together for the show are told that the producers are going to fake a romance between them. But you know what happens when there are forced romances in close proximity. And Bookworm by Robin Yeatman. This is about a bookworm 
who sees a man reading a book that is her favorite book, and she realizes that maybe this man is her soulmate, but the problem is that she's already married to a very boring and unappreciative lawyer. Um, Claire Oshetsky, the, the blurb for this, calls it, Imagine if Patricia Highsmith had written The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and instead of heroic daydreams, she gave her protagonist murderous ones. That would be bookworm. I'm going to be reading this very soon. That is that is a heck of a blurb right there. Um, Claire Oshetsky, who is also like an amazing author, so I'm very excited about that. So those are some paperbacks today. Hooray! Now, Vanessa, what are you going to read next? I had completely forgotten about this section of the show, full disclosure, and was like, what am I going to read next? Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty um, so easy question s- as far as questions go. It like, is. You can just say but- anything. <laughs> You know, for whatever reason, it just like sent me into a panic. And I was like, wait, what about? So anyway, one of the books that like, again, I started reading for this week, and it's actually for next week, and I'm like, 97% done with, but uh, is A Tempest at Sea by Sherry Thomas. I just have to finish it. Gosh, that mm-hmm. series, the Lady Sherlock series is so good. And I'm so obsessed with it. So phenomenal on audio read by Kate Redding. So unless this ending goes real south, uh, I'm really, really loving that one. And then this other one is sort of speaking to a thing that I've noticed this year, which is that I think I'm ready to dive back into scarier reads, which is a mm-hmm. thing that like I just haven't been ready for. And it's called Piñata. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's by Leopoldo. I don't know if he says it gout or gout. I just looked it up a couple days ago. But it's billed as a head full of ghosts meets Mexican gothic. And it's about a woman who's like restoring an abbey in Mexico and Mexico City in DF and Mexico City. And then uh, like an accident happens on site and it ruins like the whole thing and it ends up like costing her her job. So she goes back, I think, to the States. And then something though has followed her and her family from like that site in in Mexico. Um, that takes like a dark turn, but that, it really had me at head full of ghosts meets Mexican Gothic. So as long as there's no mushrooms, which is my undoing, as Liberty knows, I'm really jazzed about this one. So let's let's see. I'm I'm really I love the fact that it's called piñata. I mean, come on. But yeah, so that's what I'm gonna read. <laughs> what are you reading? So I'm in the middle of the Vaster Wilds, which is the new Lauren Groff <coughs> humble brag. Ooh, straight up brag. I don't know. <laughs> It's yeah. <laughs> it's about a young girl who has run away from a colonial settlement. Things are not going well there. Everybody's sick. There's smallpox. People are starving. Uh, and all we know is that she has run off into the woods, which is a very scary place to be for a young child. And she's trying to survive. So that comes out in September. It's fantastic. A few people had told me it was her best one yet. And I might be agreeing so far, which is saying a lot. And because it is Valentine's Day, I am also reading a horror novel, and it is called Fever House by Keith Rawson, which sounds a little heart-shaped box-ish about some kind of relic that can bring about the end of the world and some big guy for hire. I, I forget the word that I'm looking for. Um, right now, but uh, the heavy, uh, he contacts some former rock star and her son to help him get rid of this or find it or something like that. I read the synopsis last night, and as you can tell, I retained like very little of it. Um, so <laughs> all I know is it's a horror book. And also, I was a big fan of Keith Rawson's uh, collection of short stories that came out a few years ago that you might also be, which was called uh, Folk Songs for Trauma Surgeons which is a, an indie book, and it was excellent. This is a big imprint out with Random House. Now I'm just spewing useless information at you, but yeah. So there you have it. Um, those are books. Yay, books. Ta-da! Also, I just looked down and I forgot I was like wearing this shirt, and I was like, what 
in my I got very distracted. I have the most amazing t-shirt on today that I'm going to tell you about right now. It has Annabeth Gish and Jamie Gertz on it because they were like <laughs> both big 80s stars. And I just thought it was funny. So more useless information for you. Um, and so we're going to stop there. That's all for today. A reminder <laughs> that we are looking for a full stack web developer. You can get your resume in by February 28th and check it out at riotnewmedia.com slash careers. And thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, who has a lot of work to do today. Woo! So sorry. You just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> there were some, some dropped recordings and all kinds of wild stuff going on behind the scenes Oof. here today. Uh, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to talk about Annabeth Gish and Gamey Jerts. Gamey Jerts. <laughs> <Jamie> <laughs> This is not my day today, and I haven't even had any caffeine. You can find us online. We hang out on Instagram. Vanessa is Buenos Dias SD. I am Franzen Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading. <laughs>